You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. Again, the play fake to Penny. Jones with time. Goes for the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Darius Slayton. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Grump? I'm sure glad I have a hockey team two games away from winning the Stanley Cup and a baseball team that's just clinched the ALEs to get me through a very long Giants football season. But that's okay. We are looking at positive things, right? That's going to be the theme of our show tonight, positivity. I, I mean, I think this, the theme of the season is going to be, and it always has been for you and I, was looking on you know, this team improving and not necessarily winning games. We said it right from the get-go that evaluating this team was not going to be wins and losses related. It was always going to be, you know, what unit is is looking good, what coaching decisions were made correctly, you know, is Jason Garrett's offense the right fit here? You know, is Patrick Graham's defense the right fit? Is Joe Judge the right fit? Is the direction of this team, you know, trending upward? That's all 100% true and fair. And I think one of my great takeaways from 2020, be the pandemic or politics or anything, is life isn't a series of binary decisions. Like, it's one or the other, one or the other. Like, we absolutely are on the same page. We've been stressing it basically since the show started about, you know, let's be realistic on what we're trying to achieve each week. But at the same time, living through it week by week is not, it's not fun. You know, it's just, it becomes almost like it's like an, an academic exercise more than actually enjoying it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, we're doing things that, you know, we, we're looking for the incremental increase, you know, improvements each week. We're looking as the direction's going. So, it doesn't mean it's going to be a tough three hour sled each, each Sunday. And that's kind of what, that was my point about this. So, well, yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're right. You know, the, the Monday through to Friday, look at this team is very pra- uh, practical and, and and you know we can we can look from week to week at improvement and we can look year to year for improvement but come sunday you know it's really hard to give a shit about improvement when you're actively watching your team lose or fail to score points so you know absolutely and you know it's one of those things i i have a cooler head about it on on tuesday but on the day of i'm not happy with what i'm seeing whether it's an improvement or not and that we that we completely expect it, and it's just you have to live through it. You know, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, if, it's, if you have to quarantine, we'll put it in modern day terms. If you have to quarantine because of Corona and you don't have any symptoms, you just have to get through the fourteen days at home. And it's long and it's slow and it's boring, but you just have to. You can't rush through it. You have to live through it. And I think that's kind of what we're doing right now. And uh, again, as we get ready to start this show again, I, I'm glad I have other teams that are very good at the expense of other fan bases that do listen to this show. So I know you love us for the giants, but I'm going to needle the hell out of all of you guys at the cranky fan on Twitter. So <laughs> take that. So, you know, it's going to be harder to evaluate this team and where they are as a team and in their, in their uh, rebuild without the services of Saquon Barkley, who is confirmed torn ACL, you know, MCL uh, strain and a meniscus tear. Uh, so he will undergo surgery as soon as some swelling goes down. He is done for the year, and his comeback to, to the NFL starts now. Uh, Sterling Shepard is also out with turf toe on the tackle. You know, Give him credit. He tried to make it a full go after halftime. He ran one route and could not really run at all afterwards. So he's going to give it a shot. He's on the short-term IR, I believe. Um, let, let, let's ask a question. I thought about during the week, you know, forget about, and we, we touched on this a lot last week about how does Saquon Barkley change the game plan and how does it change installing the offense? The bigger loss to me for Daniel Jones and his development personally is losing Sterling Shepard. Now, Sterling Shepard, he may not be gone for the year. He's going to be out a while, but you know, those connections he makes his receivers and having his full complement receivers is, a bigger impact for for Daniel Jones getting better than you know not having you know a, a, obviously an immense talent like Barkley because if you start digging into the numbers for the first two games, 
it's not very impressive what, what Daniel Jones has done so far. And, you know, you know, obviously there's some major, you know, the eye popping mistakes, like these, some of these turnovers and the fumbles are, you know, those, those are the headlines, but, you know, he's right now just basically a middling replacement level quarterback right now. And we kind of expected that, but not having a Sterling Shepard is going to slow that progress down even some more. So it's, it's, it's a tough break for Jones, but you know, obviously as much as it is for, for Sterling Shepard not being there. Yeah, I agree. Um, Saquon, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Barkley is a weapon out of the, out of the backfield as well. The two of them together are, are some of his most primary targets. So it, but 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 I mean him throwing to a, a back out of the backfield is more yak than anything. Sterling Shepard is a downfield connection that that he needs to continue to develop and you know stay in the pocket. And stuff. I'm just talking about the safety valve of having a really good running back and a guy out of the backfield. It's not necessarily about numbers or oh exactly keeping up his stats. I'm talking about just what he does to the offense in that crutch that a young quarterback could use. I, I'm agreeing with you. Um, yeah. And, you know, he doesn't really need development on that. So he needs development and, you know, his timing in the pocket and making good decisions. And then, you know, he already has, I would say his two best chemistry guys are probably Shepard and Slayton. So, you know, this definitely hurts a lot. So, you know, that aside, we can bitch and moan about, you know, these two IRs, but it's nothing compared to what 49er fans have to bitch and moan about. I mean, I get it. Jeez. I mean, yeah. the IR list alone is, is, I mean, these are guys who are definitely not going to play because they're on injured reserve starting from the beginning of the year. I'm just going to list them out. Tavon Austin, Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Debo Samuel, Ronald Blair, Tim Harris, Jalen Hurd, Richie James Jr., Weston Richburg, Julian Taylor, Chris Thompson. That's more pro bowlers that the Niners have on IR than the Giants have on their roster. Absolutely. And then on top of that, you have guys who are not on IR that may not play. Ready for more pro bowlers? Tevin Coleman, D. Ford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Dre Greenlaw, George Kittle, Raheem Morstead, Jason Verrett. I mean, Jason Verrett, I, I think, is a, a probable go. He's the one who's coming off of uh, an injury. He's finally practicing for the first time since training camp. Um, and he's practiced in full all week. Everybody else on that list is questionable at best. George Kittle, I would expect some snaps, um, and Dre Greenlaw as well. But everybody else I listed, I would say, is doubtful. I mean, it's it's too early because we're recording this on a Thursday. It's too early for the official designations from the team. But I'm going to say Coleman, Ford, Garoppolo, Morstead, they're all doubtful. You know, if, the, if we were playing the 49ers in week four of the preseason, <laughs> that roster would probably be better than this roster the 49ers are going to be rolling out this Sunday. There's so many people out in, in key positions. And, you know, we are still, when you compound that in, the loss of a training camp and the loss of an offseason, and, you know, that that's a real problem. Now, they do have continuity with their, Coaching staff, which helps out, you know, unlike the Giants do, but geez, you know, I would like to see what the over under numbers are going to be for a number of, of uh, you know, procedure penalties, you know, false starts, uh, offsides, uh, legal motion, things like that. You might see a lot of little mistakes that wouldn't normally happen that could help, you know, change a drive and change time possession or something. So, you know, so. In response to key injuries from both teams, both teams went out and signed some people. The Giants signed Devontae Freeman uh, at running back, and the 49ers signed uh, Ezekiel Ansa or Ziggy Ansa. Um, the thing is, though, I would expect Ansa to play a lot more than Freeman for the Giants. Um, you know, coming in and playing as a defensive end, you know, you'd have to learn some quick terminology and some scheme setups or whatever, but. To go in there, set the edge, rush the passer. Rush the passer. These things are pretty universal. Whereas a running back coming in, learning an offense is completely different, especially when it involves you know possible protections of the quarterback, etc. I would be surprised if Freeman got ten snaps on Sunday. I don't even think he might even get that much. I mean, first of all, let, let's back up a second and let's hope that finally Wayne Gallman is active this week. You know, we, we, we were talking about it last week. Like, what does a guy need to do to 
you know, to actually be active on this roster. And, uh, you know, this is his opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not easy to come in in the middle of the week and get thrown out there to, to be a running back. We're also, we don't know what kind of condition Freeman's in. He was, you know, on the scrap heap when they picked him up, you know, it's, you could be working out and doing your own thing, but it's not the same as obviously the conditioning that's done on a, on a team level. So he may need a week or two to just to kind of get some more stamina and in shape and all that stuff. So uh, to me, anything you're going to get out of him is a bonus. So I'm not expecting much of anything from him. Yeah, no, not this week. And we'll we'll get into Freeman more. I'd be I'd be surprised if we see anything from Freeman this week. You know, I, you might see some, uh, you know, some design plays specifically for him. But I think for this week, he he'll probably uh, be active just as insurance. You know, now that we're down to just two. Uh, running backs in the roster. Um. It, it's amazing. It's amazing how a week changes, Grump. Because last week the big talk was, you know, Tiki Barber saying that you know Saquon Barkley is not a willing pass blocker, and you know that's one of the things I'm mentioning that because you know that's another big thing that Freeman's gonna have to be responsible for is pass blocking. You know, with an offensive line that's still trying to trying to find its footing with pass, you know, blocking. So. It may be a thing where they're going to bring him along slowly, so he understands his assignments as much as learning the playbook for what he has to do. So, right. So we're not going to focus on Freeman for this episode, really. That's going to be a going forward kind of thing. Like I said, for this week, he might be active simply as insurance in case one of the two remaining running backs goes down or starts completely underperforming. But expect a one-two punch of Gallman and um, Dion Lewis. Um, other than that, the Giants are relatively healthy. I mean, those are two key guys, but I mean, you know, the 49ers have key guys all over the place, out and doubtful and hurt. Um, you know, the Giants are really just worried about Adrian Colbert, who has limited again. Now, I, you might think that Adrian Colbert, who cares, but did play significant amount in the first game and then was injured. And then against the Bears, we saw Nate Ebner getting some packages at safety. Remember, they're already down one safety with Xavier McKinney with his broken foot issue. So that's the thing. It's kind of a big deal that Colbert is not out. That was who they had slated to take in that role at third safety, you know? Yeah. That's the big thing. It's like when you say, well, who cares that he's out? It's like you're getting deeper and deeper into depth. And these, these bad teams like the giants rebuilding teams like the giants don't have nearly the depth. They have marginal NFL players you know, who are on the back end of a roster. And now if these guys are getting hurt and you have to dig in deeper, that's where you're seeing, you know, you're going to see the major problems. You're going to see guys that don't belong on an NFL field getting abused and being targeted. I mean, these we, we were talking about, uh, you know, Shanahan's a good coach. He's going to exploit. He's going to look for that weakness out there. And he's going to see a guy that's, you know, a third string safety on a bad secondary to begin with and, you know, lick his chops. Exactly, yeah. No matter who the quarterback is. And that's kind of one of those things, right? So going into this, you might think that because of the nature of the injuries to the 49ers, the Giants have some supreme advantage. Remember, all these these injuries, they happened pretty much game day on Sunday. So you have a whole week of practice with a very good coach, you know, working with with Nick Mullins at quarterback, who's gotten all the reps so far, as Garoppolo hasn't taken any, has not practiced since Sunday. Um, you know, he's going to find ways to make this a combative team. I mean, this is a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. They're a good team, and you know whether or not they have their star players is kind of irrelevant. They they have a full week of preparation with the guys that they're going to send out on Sunday, and they're going to find ways to make it work. Um, so this is not the same as what the Jets faced on Sunday where, you know, come third quarter, you, you have half a defense out there and a backup quarterback who was, I mean, he gets prepped for this game, but he's not getting the, he hasn't taken any yeah. first team snaps ever in his life. You know, they so, still beat, and they still beat the shit out of the Jets. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they already had a, a run up on the sky. I think it was like 24 to six by the time Garoppolo came out. So, um, yeah. You know, it's just going to be something that there are matchups to be had here, but that does not mean that this is in any way a cakewalk. Um, in fact, it's anything. I don't think the Giants will ever get a cakewalk at all this year with the roster they have, especially with Barkley out. So cakewalk doesn't happen this year. Yeah, this, it just doesn't. 
this offensive line is in no position to have a cakewalk over anybody. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones at this stage in his development and what he is on week three of his second year is nowhere to be a quarterback to, you know, give a cakewalk performance. Um, we don't need to, we still not even sure about this coaching staff if it's ready to scheme up and game plan a cakewalk performance either. So I, I to me, and we hate to sound like broken records this year, but until we know more, we don't know. And, uh, you know, I, I think right now it's still continuing to do the good things we've been doing so far, the little things, you know, the, you know, we haven't been penalized that much for procedural things. We seem to be playing relatively clean games. Uh, you know, nothing flashy. You know, I, I'm looking at Daniel Jones stats and, you know, his, you know, attempts per, uh, yards per attempt and his, uh, quarterback rating are pretty low near the bottom of the league and it's part of that i think is that by design by play calling and, and what they're trying to do and but you know we have to play our game first and then we worry about what the other team is doing second i, I think once we the more we play then we get further into the season we get to week six seven and eight and we kind of know what we are we can adjust off those things then it becomes a little different but right now i think we got to worry about ourselves first before we worry about you know personnel changes and, and things on the other side. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think this is actually a good game for them to do that. You know, it's it's almost impossible at this point to game plan to anything other than 49ers scheme, right? I mean, you can't really game plan for backups you have no film on. So, I mean... But they're going to they're gonna gonna do roughly the same scheme in the same place. Exactly. They're, they're no, having... I, I agree with you, but yeah. I mean, when, yeah. you, when you watch... Uh, Houston Texans film you have to spend hours just watching J.J. Watt and specifically what he does you know if J.J. Watt's not in that you don't have to worry about any of that shit because there's nobody else that's going to do that on the Texans roster you know what I'm saying so they don't they don't have to spend time with that this is a really good game for them to instead of focusing so much on upcoming film game planning focusing a lot more internally on like fixing problems that have been you know problems this whole year you know specifically i would say off the top of my head run blocking right up the gut you know even pass blocking right up the gut that that center that interior three right there they have some shit to work out this is a good time to figure that shit out and also it's a good time to not only try to figure it out physically it's also a good time to kind of look at the the playbook and say you know we need to emphasize other things that are working too so it's physical and mental these uh adjustments so this is a good week for that yeah i agree i, I think i think this is a, a a break for them obviously you know in terms of but see like if, if the 49ers came in at this point fully healthy i mean i would expect to be behind by so much that they're not even i mean they're they're just game planning to do something at that point you know what i mean which is i think was part of the, the problem with the jets you know by the time by the time the injuries mounted they were so far behind they're still trying to just play catch up um they don't have to worry about that going into this game, thankfully. Um, nevertheless, they are going to have some keys and how they, I mean, they're still going to try and win this game, right? I mean, it's only two games in. It, you know, they're still just zero and two. They're going to try to win every game. Yeah, I mean, no, these exactly. Guys are professionals. It's... I, I, I just want to emphasize some balance here. Yes, this is a good time for them to look internally, but they are still going to look for keys on how to win this game and not just improve the team well i mean i think any head coach worth his salt does both of those things simultaneously no matter if you are the 0 and 16 detroit lions of a few years back or you're the 16 and 0 patriots of 2007 so yeah that's those things are kind of givens and you're right it's probably good to remind everybody that yeah they are doing that but you know it's it's irrelevant of what our record is or what our preseason expectations are or the reality of where we are in the standings in week two week 12 week 16 so, yeah. That said, injuries to the 49ers have made keys to this game very simple. You know, whether Jimmy Garoppolo plays or not, the injuries to the running back room in the QB position are going to make Reed, Kittle, and McKinnon the primary targets in the passing game. The 49ers are likely to rely on a running game and a quick hitter game, I think, to generate yardage and momentum. And the Giants had better take away the run game where they have an advantage with Richburg out at center. He's been out on the pup list all year uh, so far. Uh, the Niners are more likely, though, to run stretch plays because I've seen it. Um, and they take advantage of their excellent tackle situation with McGlinchey on the right and uh, Ch- uh, uh, Trent Williams on the left. Um, so 
they're going to have to do a lot more on the the end side. You know, I think the Giants already have that advantage in the center, but that m- might be somewhat irrelevant. Uh, Mullins is less than a second-rate quarterback, and he's going to frazzle under pressure if he gets no run support. So taking away his first two options in the passing game are pivotal to slowing down a strong Niners offense. Uh, Kittle, by the way, we're recording this on Thursday evening. He has practiced for the last two days. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know what? That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play, but he is practicing. Yeah, so. I would I would expect Kittle to play. Like I said, I would put a questionable designation on him. Um, I think if he does play, he's not going to be playing in his full capacity. Uh, you know, he's definitely not going to be a hundred percent. For the record, um, his injury is a sprained MCL. And a bone bruise, actually. So, and, and we've seen this before when we faced, you know, big name, you know, talent like a wide receiver or tight end, where they've been banged up. And even if they do play, they're really nothing more than a decoy of anything, too. So, you know, to say again, life is not binary decisions. It's not he's either not playing or he's catching fifteen passes for three hundred yards. I mean, most likely, will happen is he'll go out there and give it a go, and probably be not much of a factor, but. As long as he's out there, you have to account for him. So that's something we have to, you know, that takes away from you know, focusing your coverage on someone else. So it'll be interesting to see. Specifically, mm-hmm. I'm worried about Jordan Reed. I mean, he played his first game back in, in whatever, 600-something games he scored at first touchdown. It's pretty ironic, right, that of all the people they're counting on to be healthy is Jordan Reed. Yeah, right. Um, but Jordan Reed stepped up big time against the Jets. Uh, I think he had two touchdowns in that game. I mean, they pretty much had no answer for him. Um, mm-hmm. That cannot be – it just can't be the problem for the Giants on Sunday or else they'll, the game is over. Because, you know, it, like I said, I really think that Moans is going to have a quick game plan of getting the ball designed to Reed, Kittle, or McKinnon. Um, and then, you know, a couple of plays where they're going to try and hit a home run maybe with, you know – Born or whatever wide receiver, um, Ayuk, Ayuk. I, I've never figured out how to say that name, but yeah, like like him or um, Born. You know, those are the guys that I think they might have a couple plays for. But they're really going to concentrate on getting their dependable guys and their mismatch guys like Kittle, Reed, and McKinnon out of the backfield. Taking away those, I mean, really will rattle a quarterback who's not used to being rattled or even playing for that matter. I think the game is pretty simple and I think it falls on the giants more. It's don't play down to, I don't want to say their level, but don't give San Francisco extra opportunities. You know, don't, you know, if you have, this has to be one of those games where you have to play very clean. If you want a chance to win, you know, the, the talent level is, you know, it, it's deep, you know, it's closer now because of all the injuries, but, this team is still not good enough. You know, they, they, they can't be, you know, penalties to start them at first and 15. You know, they can't be jumping off sides at third and two to give the 49ers a first down or a free play. Uh, you know, they can't do like the foolish things that are completely preventable mistakes to, you know, give them any advantages. I, I think it starts right there is just keep playing a clean game to give them an opportunity to, to win. And I, I think the second thing really is I'm focusing on Daniel Jones. I want to see him instead of being kind of a game manager, what he is right now and just trying to prevent not making mistakes. I want to see him. I want to see him in the passing a little bit more attacking this week. You know, I, I, maybe I want to see a little more of that vertical offense that we think eventually this offense will become, um, you know, again, I, 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 I said the number before, you know, that um, Daniel Jones is in the bottom uh, bottom quarter of the league in, in uh, yards per attempt. You know, that that's a that's a, a factor of both, you know, obviously how many margin, yards you're getting, but how many throws it's taking you to get that number too. So, you know, I know we had the one bomb in the uh, in the in the Chicago and the, the the Pittsburgh game. That's great. And every place to be sixty yard bombs in the air, but let's throw for, you know, not playing for just getting first downs. Let, let's try to open it up a little bit and, and see, you know, it may be a disaster. It may not, you know, may have to adjust from there. But I, I think that, you know, the early trends of the offense to me, seems like it's very, 
you know, again, playing for first downs, I think we need to try to push a little more to try to make things happen. I know it's a very fine line between trying to make things happen and pushing it and not making mistakes to, you know, give them a win, but I, I think we have to push it a little bit more. No, I agree with you. And, and I think some of that has to do with playing from behind. So playing from behind is going to make Mullins or, or a bit banged up Garoppolo's life a lot easier. So it's really important to get ahead on the scoreboard fast. And I think that allows the more downfield shots. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that we've been playing, I don't want to say a dink and dunk kind of offense, but agreed, you know, playing for 10 yards at a time instead of taking any 20-yard shots or any kind of home run balls. Um, and that 10 yards, and that playing for 10 yards at a shot is made that much harder when you're the worst rushing team in the league mm-hmm. after two weeks too. So it, it seems like, the, 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 the stars are aligning right now to have this offense be a little more, you know, and we said this in the offseason before the season started that this team would not necessarily win if Daniel Jones has to throw the ball 40, 45, 50 times a game. But I think the options now, I mean, since the situation has changed, that may be the only path to, you know, being competitive in these games and trying to pull out some wins. Yeah. And to your credit, you know, I, I think I think the key here really is to score early and score often. I mean, their first couple drives have to. I mean, it sounds silly, but when you're playing against a banged up team like this, putting the pressure on them to catch up is so important. And it's just like you said, like you can't be playing first and fifteen because of a false start penalty. And to, to their credit, they haven't really had a whole lot of that kind of shit. But what they have had was where they gifted the Bears an extra three points by fumbling on their first drive in their own zone already in field goal range. That cannot happen. Three points in this game cannot happen. I mean, going up 10-0, 14-0 early on really puts the onus on the 49ers to figure their shit out fast, and it lets your defense relax. It lets your offense relax. And then you can play those home run balls. You can play the downfield shot. Because if you get sacked and you have to punt when you're up 14-0, that's not the end of the world. When you get sacked and you have to punt and it's, you know, 7 nothing them, 10 nothing them, every drive becomes so much more important to get first downs and to get momentum. Well, the thing also, it's kind of related to not playing for 10 yards. It's kind of a, it's a thing about field position, too. And you said score, score early, score often. Well, teams score often, more often, more often, I guess, when they have better field position. You know, how many times, you know, if you're starting from the 20 and you're fighting just you're fighting for 10 yards fighting for 10 yards and you know you need to be in position to be able to score more and i think that's where that little more of an aggressive push down field is going to come into play i think you're going to see probably you know because the running game has been so bad so you know you might see less attempts to even try to run and you might be you know more of an effort to be downfield because again you need more opportunities to get into San Francisco territory, to get into the red zone. That's where you score your points. I mean, it's very difficult to rely on, you know, the 60-yard pass play as your your chief way to score touchdowns in this league. And, you know, we're hoping to start, you know, baby steps. It's not just three and outs. You want to get a first down. That's great. You want to string a couple together. That's great, too. But, you know, it starts with the defense doing their job and, and forcing a three and out from the 20 to get the ball back starting at the 40 or so, but we have to start playing closer to midfield and more on their side of the field than what we've been doing so far. Cause that will make life easier. It's not grinding every drive. It's, you know, putting yourself into a quicker position to be able to score more. I'm going to warn you guys now, I don't expect the running game to look any better this week between the tackles. And that's not necessarily due to Barkley. It's just, those inside guys for San Francisco are, are, pr- are pretty good. I mean, they have a good downhill linebacker unit. Um, DJ Jones is a big body guy who's real good. I mean, even even you know backup defensive end, Kerry uh, Hyder is a real big guy. And Javon Kinlaw, I, I thought, coming into the draft, was not being talked about enough with his quick first step guy from South Carolina, yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah yes. I, I mean... He's he's been a little bit limited in his snaps so far, but again, you know that's also because he's playing behind guys like Solomon Thomas, who you know just went out with an injury. You know now he's getting a full week of snaps. You know obviously he's a rookie, so there's that too. But he's also a good pass rush guy from the inside. So I still think the inside is going to be tough sledding this week. 
you know, to just be prepared for that. <laughs> and Will Hernandez has to start playing better. I mean, he's not, so he's not Nick grading Gates. out very well. I mean, well. Nick Gates has not been in any regard positive so far this, this year. Yeah. Um, he is what he is, yeah. you know. He's actually, also playing a position that's not natural to him. So right, right. But I mean, we expect really next to nothing out of him. But Will Hernandez, we expect more. And I think he has to start stepping up his game. Like I said, his PFF ranking is pretty awful. And you know, again, somebody, somebody's going to spend the next twelve years of my life teaching me what PFF rating and QBR ratings actually mean. Nothing. But they mean nothing. But they mean nothing. But they're comparing players, and you know. He is worse than good, good players are not himself. at the bottom of those things consistently. Right, they just exactly. Don't. So um, matchups to watch this week. Um, you're really going to want to watch the, the the way our ends are setting up. You know whether they're defensive ends or outside linebackers. However you want to look at it, there is a solid rotation there for guys. But the way they win against tackles, uh, Williams and McKinnon, and winning doesn't have to be shedding him as a blocker, but setting that edge and forcing all runners back towards the middle, funneling them back to the middle. That's what we're going to want here. Uh, San Francisco has a lot of stretch play design where they have. You know, I mean, the first play from scrimmage against the Jets, Morstead took it the distance. I, I want to say what was it, seventy-five yards? It was really just a pitch play, and then he almost did it again. Um, so you know, that's really their their running bread and butter. Uh, so setting the edge, stopping those outside runs, that's going to be vital to stopping this offense. Because remember, they're going to lean on run more than pass with with Mullins in the in the uh, at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think another one for me is special teams. Uh, Grand Gano missed a, a long field goal, but certainly within his range last week. And you know, if we're going to have any shot to win, if we want to we want to shorten the field. You know, and not worry so much about field, um, you know, uh, field position. A game we don't think will be a high-scoring game to begin with, with all the you know position players and you know star position players out. When the opportunity comes to get three points, you got to get those three points. So let's see if you know can, you know, in a similar situation. It, and also let's see what happens if we're innocent in this situation. If we are, you know maybe try to force it and go for it or something. I, you know, I think it's too early to give up on Grand Gano because he missed a, a long field oh, goal. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and again, it's going to be very, very difficult to second guess a head coach whose background is, you know, is steeped in special teams as like Joe Judge is too. So, um, but that's something definitely to take a look on to see, you know, what uh, Grand Gano is doing kicking and the decisions that are made. Yeah, um, I, I think a really big one is going to be Julian Love and Jabril Peppers uh, in, in coverage against George Kittle and Jordan Reed. I mean, I I really think that this game is going to come down to how well we cover those two guys. You know, if the 49ers can adjust and, and find way, if Nick Mullins can, can adjust and get to his fifth guy in the rotation, I mean, we would have done everything we can. But the Giants' defense so far, you know, we were real worried about the the defense They've been pretty impressive against, I mean, the Bears, whatever, with Trubisky back there. But even against Pittsburgh, they haven't been bad. I mean... Yeah, it was nothing glaring to say, oh my God, we have a bunch of sieves back there. I wouldn't say that. I mean, you know, it's it's been all right. And I think, I think all right is better than we hope for, especially at this early stage of the game. I mean, how many seasons have the Giants had where after two games, you know, people are just jumping off the third level at, at Giants Stadium? So... Um, yeah, I, is it, is it too early in the season or too quick after the Barkley injury to see a different wrinkle to the offense that we wouldn't be expecting? Like, you know, they're okay. We're going to do something, you know, a new gadget formation or, or, or something that we haven't thought of before, or is, is they still like, it's early enough that they still just go with their base offenses. Are you expecting to see anything that like... Look, I don't think it's related to the Barkley injury at all. I mean, I don't think it's too early after the Barkley injury. I just think it's too early into learning this offense. I mean, if the, if this is a holdover offense with some returning guys, like Gallman was on this roster last year. Let's just pretend that Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator last year. I would say, yes, expect some gadget plays, something strange thrown in there. But there's... I mean, we have basic breakdowns right now. I mean that's that's a problem that has to be fixed first. I didn't even mean gadget plays. I meant like just uh, a 
something different in our formation that we you know we haven't shown. Again, there's not that much tape on it. It's only been two weeks, and there's no preseason tape. But like something that's like, like oh, that's running, a like wrinkle. a single wing like, offense or something like that. Not that ridiculous, <laughs> but something <laughs> you know, uh, something like you know uh, a three tight end set or something uh, more. But I mean, if you're saying installing something new that wasn't part of the offense simply because of Barkley, you know, again, I'm just going to bank on, I think it's too early in this team learning the offense. You know, maybe, maybe if they had had a full regular offseason, I would say, yeah, I'm sure that they, they, you know, throw some new RPO shit or I don't know. Some somebody else going in a, a wildcat or something like that. Yeah, you could see that. But you know, just this team still learning shit and having the the the, the being hamstrung by the off season and learning new stuff. I, I'd say probably not, especially with a a fundamentals oriented, no nonsense guy that he seems to be a Joe Judge. I can't see him putting a stamp of approval on something like that. You know, when, I guess the jury. I guess the jury isn't out yet, even if this offense is going to be hopeless without Barkley too. You know, it's we, we just don't know yet. Um, you know, I'm assuming. I mean, we had this. This is a pretty good discussion we had on last week's show that we both we had differing opinions on how much of an impact Barkley has to the overall scheme of what we're trying to do on offense, and it may be something we still just try to run what we were trying to do. And you know, the the delta is not that bad. I mean, who knows? So. Um, you said about you know Joe Judge. Something I thought was interesting this week, and I don't know if this is a league-wide thing or we. Ex- I expected Joe Judge to be just like Bill Belichick, where you get no information, nothing at all. Uh, this week, he let both coordinators take questions. Did you find that interesting? Yeah, I thought that was interesting because you know the the trend seems to be going towards you know paranoia with coaches and you know we've never had our coordinators available the last two head coaches maybe like in week six or seven they had a chance to speak but you know i thought it was interesting and you know i don't know again if that's something different this year because of you know the lack of accessibility that the the media has with these teams because of covid or not but i I thought that was kind of you know we're all trying to get information and trying to find out what's what and and i thought that was good that we were able to hear from uh, both coordinators. Well, I like hearing from guys like that, and, and both of them have experience from talking to the media, just from being head coaches, like a lot of the guys on this staff. So, yeah, I mean, I like yeah. I like getting perspective from the guys who have their their wrists in the work, right? I mean, Joe Judge is seeming to be a, a CEO type who's worried about the game pace and timeouts and, and things like that, and and just getting everybody on the same page. And the coordinators are the guys with their you know, with their hands in the mess and the play sheets and, and, you know, their heads specifically in their own thing. Uh, so I want to give a, a plug also. Um, I don't know if you saw it, Grump. They have on MSG Network here in New York, I guess either called the Joe Judge Show or Giant Football. And usually these shows are fluff shows. They're, you know, they're really bad in, in college where it's just a big, uh, you know, propaganda thing for the program. But this one, with, with one Joe Judge, and again, I'm not expecting much from him coming from the Belichick coaching tree, but I thought it was pretty insightful. I mean, he really was breaking down, you know, key plays of things that were good and things that weren't good and everything. I, I think, you know, it was, I learned a lot from that, and I thought that was an interesting watch. So, you know, I think people should try to tune in. I'm not sure when it's on. It's just when you're flipping around the dial, it's there it is, you know, on, on, early in the week. But I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I have heard similar things. I have not watched it, so I, I can't give uh, an opinion on it. You get a boob like McAdoo on there, and it's just like watching paint dry. But I think this actually was something where, you know, it, I'm all about optics, and I'm all about body language, and I'm all about just how people present themselves. And he sounds like a guy who's just an egghead for football and just, mm, yeah. you know, you don't have to dumb the game down to tell me just – Give me the confidence that you know what you're doing, and it, I, I kind of felt that way with him. So that was good. All right, man, it's prediction time. How do you feel about this game? I will remind everyone that we did a way too early look at the season um, and made predictions then. And I will have you know, the cranky fan had this game as a loss back in June. 
Well, yeah. I mean, of course, the, the universe was different back then. You know, besides our normal universe being different, I don't think any of us would have predicted that, uh, you know, their starting quarterback, our starting running back, all these guys would be out. So, yeah, I had that as a loss in pen then. I'm going to go ahead and put this as a loss in pencil today. Um, I know that San Francisco is losing a ton, and they're going to, you know, key players, you know, none of your starting quarterback that puts you at a major disadvantage. Um, and it's their second week. And, you know, they may have a little bit in their head about the turf at Giant Stadium. I know we didn't really discuss it yeah, last I, I week. Didn't, but I don't even think it's worth discussing. Monday or, well, you know, it's something where, you know, it's something that, they cause a stink with, with the league about, you know, complaining about it. It's been tested two times, but, you know, similar to a running back who blows out his ACL until he starts making those cuts and is comfortable, he stinks about it a little bit. And it may be a little something in their head that, you know, this plate might be dangerous to play here. And I think that doesn't add up to, you know, may not add up to an extra point for us or not, but it's something there. But regardless, I still think that the amount of talent that San Francisco has, uh, until I see like the Giants kind of open up, be a little more creative with the offense and try to attack a little more, even without Barkley, um, I I think I need to see this team win a game. You know, there is definitely a sense of urgency this week because the schedule gets a heck of a lot harder after this week. We have a kind of a murderer's row coming up for the next month or so. So we lose this game, go to zero and three. This could escalate to zero and seven really quickly. Uh, but I just I, I don't think we're I don't think we're there yet to take. To be able to say, even in pencil, we are good enough to capitalize on a mass unit of a team that we're playing. So I'm going to put this as a loss, but in light pencil, a low-scoring, ugly mess of a game. I'm going to say San Francisco, 14, Giants, 12. So I had this game as a win, actually, in June. And one of the things that I was, you know... was worried about was their offensive line, their running back group, and their quarterback just being talented enough to, you know, push them past uh, an improved, you know, defense for the Giants. You know, well, now that quarterback is probably not playing and two running backs are not playing. Um, I am actually going to disagree. I don't think this is going to be low scoring at all. I think that... um, I don't think that we're suddenly going to be hitting deep shots all over the place, but I do think that we're going to be moving the ball into field goal range more and more often. Um, So I think that the Giants actually win this one. I don't think it's pretty. I think they should theoretically be winning this game by more, but I don't think they will. And I think that they win this one 23-17. You'll notice that that's three field goals and only two touchdowns. Um, But I think that they make some progress where they need to make progress. You know, in... You know, we we see some things finally where, you know, the day after we're like, oh, finally they had a good game, albeit against some backups, but still, you know, and I I think it's going to be good for their momentum, for their morale. Um, we're not we're not good enough to say oh even though it was against X Y or Z. No, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be one of those things you don't want to put on a banner, mission accomplished, and, and, <laughs> and parade it across Manhattan Bay. But um, you know, it, it's going to be. We're at the point now where we're zero and two. We're you know very fearful of a slide to zero and seven. Um, those little bits are going to be huge boosts to morale, not just to us fans, but I mean to the guys themselves. They, they said in the Bears game when they pushed, when Deion Lewis pushed for a touchdown right at the goal line there, that the offensive line got jazzed up from having done that. You know these guys are just people too, and they get jazzed up from successes. And if they have a whole game of success in some fashion, you know, where they can say, yeah, I feel like I won that battle, you know, that, that, that carries over from week to week, and they need that. Well, it just, it just tells you that hard work that. is paying off at some level. It's just if you go out there and you are, you know, you work in the rock quarry, and from 8 to 5 every day, you're just banging on a rock, and you're not getting any little rocks off of it. It's like, well, what the hell am I doing here? And the same thing applies to this. So, you know, it's nice to feel good after, okay, I feel like we're playing better, but, you know, at the end of the day, the W is what's the most important thing to that measures success of teams. It, it's what keeps jobs for players and loses jobs for players and coaches and GMs and everybody. So, yeah, I mean, there's that sense of urgency. And, you know, I don't know how you can quantify how important urgency is to 
helping you win or lose more, but there better be a sense of urgency this week. And that'd be interesting. It's another little thing you want to check on the Joe Judge. you see how his culture and his style of coaching is working is, you know, do we sense that urgency? Because if they come out flat, you know, you can certainly look at the coach and say, why is an 0-2 team with an opportunity to have a winnable game coming out looking flat? Not necessarily if they win or lose, but just looking flat. So let's look and see how this team is mentally and physically prepared for this because that's going to be a, a pretty interesting sign to see. Real quick, around the uh, around the NFC East, Cincinnati is at Philadelphia. How do you feel? It's a long argument with a, a cousin of mine about, you know, what is Philadelphia? You know, are they still a team that should be going to be in the playoffs or are they a piece of garbage team? And, you know, I think we kind of fell somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I know their defense has got problems, but again, I, I need to see Joe Burrow go on the road, be it with no fans or something, and prove it. So until he can do it, I'm still, um, I'll take Philly winning in pencil. Yeah, I'm on. I'm as down on Philly as you could possibly be, and I still have Philly in this one. Um, Washington is at Cleveland. How do we feel about this one? You know, I Washington is not very good, and I think you know Cleveland is one of those weird teams and weird cities and weird fan bases that the last thing they saw, they think they're the greatest thing ever. And I think you know they're riding high after that Monday night game against Cincinnati, short week. Uh, so they may be kind of like a, a hip pick. You know, people think, oh, you know, maybe they turned the corner finally. I don't think they are, but I still think that Washington is still one of the worst teams in the league. And uh, don't be fooled at all that happened week one with them. I think uh, Cleveland wins in Penn. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Cleveland does have uh, some some winner's blood in them, even though they're not very good. And I, I, I just think that um, – had they be playing a quality appointment, uh, Cleveland probably falls, but Washington is just a total mess uh, in, in all three phases of the game. Dallas at Seattle, how do we feel? Not sure what to make of Dallas just yet. Uh, you know, Atlanta has a history of, of being a choke job team with a choke job coach. No reason they should have lost that game last week. Not having the 12th man in Seattle is going to help Dallas. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to take Dallas in pencil. I think uh, you know this is their opportunity to kind of really get some distance in the rest of the division. Uh, I think that that second half you're talking about uh, we talked about for the Giants the momentum building off of uh, you know accomplishing something. I think that that second half is really going to help them. I think they're going to go into in Seattle and win. I'll, I'll do Dallas in pencil. Yeah, I think this one's going to be Dallas as well. Seattle's coming off of that, uh, you know, emotional win that w- that was fantastic, but they certainly didn't play very good. And I, I am not a huge believer in what the Patriots have done so far. Um, you know, this is not this is not beating Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels' decade of uh, almost two decades of familiarity with each other. Um, so Seattle still has some serious problems, and they didn't win a very clean game. Dallas. You know, whatever their problems may be at this point, they are still a very talented roster, and they're not going into century link the way they normally would with uh, you know, 10 million decimals of uh, people, you know, screaming. So I, I think that this is one that Dallas actually takes. Last uh, point for you before we leave. Um, our discussion about Philly kind of uh, bubbled into another question. Do you think right now the NFC East is the worst division in football? I haven't taken a hard look at the NFL division by division, to be honest with you. Um, they're certainly not very good uh, in terms of records. Not, yeah, I'm not talking about records. I'm just over. I, I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm working it out as I'm talking to you. Um, in terms of record, it certainly doesn't look at it. So at face value, I would say they're they're pretty low. You know, Dallas is still a really talented team. You know, Philly is so banged up; it's not even fair. Um, you know, so, so maybe you know the Giants are underperforming. Um, and Washington is a mess, so they're they're in the bottom, you know, for sure. I don't know if they're the actual bottom, but I, they're they're near it. I guess it's all your opinion on what you think Philly is, you know. And again, if I think, I still think at the end of the day they're still going to be fighting for, you know, that third wild card spot, where I think a lot, I think a lot of people are divided on, you know, no, they're not a playoff team. They're not very good. Um, 
you know, there's a, you have the opportunity to play Washington and the Giants four times. And, you know, unfortunately for Philly, they already lost one of those four, those four games. So that's going to hurt them. Um, I don't know. I, 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 again, I think Philly's a little better than people are dumping on them right now. Um, but it's not a good division. <laughs> it's not, ex- it's not exactly prime time watching Washington and the Giants right now. No. But with that, we will see you all on Sunday at 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium. Um, Really, we'll see you all on Fox uh, at (laughs) 1 o'clock. So uh, you will also find us probably live tweeting things throughout the game. I am at football underscore grump on Twitter. You can find me, as always, at the Cranky Fan, where I am overloading your Twitter feeds with the minutia and play-by-play detail as my Tampa Bay Rays have won the AL East and are marching towards their first... World Series title of the decade. Uh, also, obviously, my Tampa Bay Lightning are two games away from their second Stanley Cup. So take that, all you Islander and Ranger fans out there and all you Yankee fans out there. You have obnoxious, cranky fan cluttering your Twitter feed. And, oh, yeah, might actually talk about the Giants. And, oh, SEC is back this weekend, so that means Gator football I'll be talking to. So I will be basically in my apartment, four TVs blasting at the same time, head on a swivel talking about three really good teams and the New York Giants. And as always, this podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, you name it, that's where it is. So just go there, subscribe, and all of these episodes will be in your inbox Tuesday morning and Friday morning. We will see you all on Sunday. Go Giants. Go Giants.